0: You take your Bibles this morning, let's turn to 2 Peter chapter number 1. 2 Peter chapter number 1, and I want to read our verses for this series of the keys to spiritual growth. And that is verses 5 through 7 here, talking about the things that we are to add to our faith. 2 Peter chapter number 1, and begin reading verse number 5. It says, and beside this. Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. In order for us as believers to become effective for the Lord, we must grow or mature spiritually in Our Christian walk. Our points of emphasis thus far have been making sure that we have a firm foundation of of faith in Christ to build upon. Because if you're not building on a faith, uh, the proper foundation, uh, you're destined for failure. You cannot grow until you first know the Lord and have Him in your life. We saw in the previous series, in the earlier verses of this chapter, how that God's divine power has given us all that we need to mature. God's promises tell us that maturity is possible. And God's nature within us, His Holy Spirit, makes maturity possible. So make sure you got a right proper foundation. Then we say we must practice spiritual diligence in adding to our faith. That's important. All of these things we're talking about adding, adding they're not just going to happen. They don't, they don't just happen just because you got saved. You need to add them on purpose in your heart and life. We, we must, first, we saw a couple of weeks ago as we, we must add virtue to our faith. And we saw that virtue is the desire to do what is right, the desire to do what's right. And then uh, next, we saw that uh, we must add to virtue knowledge. We talked about how knowledge is, is talking about doctrine, Bible doctrine, it's the what is right. God's word teaches us what is right. That's doctrine. Now today we are going to see the third thing that we must add and that is we must add temperance to that knowledge. Verse number six, into knowledge temperance. So uh, we see that word temperance, it refers to having self-control, uh, self-restraint or self-discipline in our lives. Can I tell you that... Uh, Temperance is missing, by and large, uh, in our world today. People lack self-control. and uh, But what does temperance have to do with us adding to our faith? And I, I want you to note the progression. Peter builds on the previous ideas. Virtue, of course, is the desire to do what's right. Knowledge is knowing what's right. And the problem is that the desire to do what's right and then knowing what's right, are insufficient of themselves as we add to our faith. If you stop there, uh, you're, you're going to fail. We, we need temperance. We need the self-discipline to actually do what's right. When once we know what's right, you've got to, you got to uh, uh, have your fleshly desires and your fleshly passions under control, and that's what temperance is talking about. So first let's understand that there is a matter of temperance that relates to our salvation experience. Uh, how so? Well, we find it in the Bible in Acts 24 and verse number 25 when Felix, uh, Paul was standing before Felix and uh, he was talking to him about the Lord and in Acts 24 and verse 25 says that uh, as, uh, as Paul reasoned of righteousness and temperance and judgment to come, Felix trembled, and answered, "Go thy way for this time. Uh, when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee." And we know that convenient season never came, as, as is recorded in the the scriptures. Now, uh, he Felix didn't have the self-discipline to do what he knew was right. Did he know he needed to get saved? Yes, he did. Okay. There's a lot of folks who know that they need to be saved, but they're not willing to take that uh, matter and just do what needs to be done. I remember witnessing to a a lady in my previous church for years. Uh, She was the mother of one of our members there. And I would go, and any time I'd have a revival preacher in town, we would go together. Um, I would talk to her, and they would talk to her. Uh, she was up in age, she was uh, in her probably 80s, and she, uh, you never could get her past, she would acknowledge that she was lost, she would acknowledge uh, the things that you shared with her about the gospel, but when you asked her if she was ready to take that next step of placing her faith and trust in Christ, she, did. She, would, she never was while I was there. Now, thank the Lord she did finally get saved later. We did get news that uh, there, there was a time that she did come to know the Lord. And I thank God for that. Uh, but uh, I, what I'm saying is, you know, you've got to have that in your life to, to turn from your sin and turn to the Savior. Though you know that you need to do it, you got to just do it. Amen? It has to be done. So salvation is a matter of faith. It's believing God. And the testimony of what He has given us and he's he's given us his testimony in our conscience. We know we have a God consciousness within. He's given it to us in creation. All the creation shows. You can deny it all, all you want to, but all of it shows that there is a divine creator. That God uh, is in this world, and uh, we know that uh, uh, the God's testimony is also in Christ Jesus. He sent His Son into the world to. Uh, to, to show himself uh, to us. And he uh, also gave us the canon of scripture. And I thank God that we live in a time when we have the whole word of God. We got the entirety of it. We have everything that God wants us to have. And uh, we, uh, we, we need to just be obedient to it. So salvation is a matter of faith. Believing God in his testimony. Salvation is a matter of virtue. A desire to do the right thing. Yes, I, I I need to I need to get saved. I I know I need to do do that. Salvation is a matter of knowledge, and that's coming to know the gospel and what one needs to do with it. Knowing that one must repent and trust Christ. And then salvation is a matter of temperance, doing what one knows they need to do, and that is repent of sin, turn from sin, and trust Christ alone for salvation. And now I want to illustrate this matter of temperance, okay? We talked about temperance being a matter of self-discipline, self-control. How can we illustrate this? Let's say, for instance, that I want to lose a few few pounds. And I do, okay? I I really have the desire to lose probably about 25 to 30 pounds. That's not the problem. I, I don't lack desire, all right? I may even know that in order to accomplish losing weight, I must do certain things. Things such as exercise and watch what I eat. You know, that dreaded four-letter word four letter word, diet. You know, <laughs> you know uh, we don't like that, do we? But listen, the desire to lose weight and the knowledge of how to lose weight will not help me lose any weight alone. I'm not going to lose any weight just by having that knowledge, you know in fact, I could read any and every book on the subject of losing weight, and that might be uh, uh, almost a difficult task to do. Uh, there's so many that are out there. And that might give me the knowledge of how to lose weight, but the knowledge is not going to get the job done, is it? It's not going to get the job done. Where's the job going to get done? Self-control, temperance. <laughs> Uh, what I'm going to have to have is the self-discipline, the temperance to actually do what is needed to lose the weight, both the exercise and the diet, taking uh, self, and both of those things take self-discipline, amen. Exercise and diet take self-discipline. and They both go against my fleshly desires as they go against yours. Um, you, know, we, you see the chocolate cake and you want the chocolate cake. Now, that's going to go against what you need to do in order to lose the weight. And that's what I'm saying. Well, guess what else goes against our fleshly desires? Living a life that is pleasing to the Lord. Even though we are saved and on our way to heaven, we all still have this sinful flesh to deal with, don't we? We're all still in the flesh. And that's why this matter of adding to our faith or growing spiritually requires temperance or self-discipline or self-control as well as knowledge. Our faith will not grow in an environment of us living our lives according to the passions of our flesh. You can't live your life according to the passions of flesh and expect to grow in the Lord. When we desire to do what is right, then we come to understand what is right, then we must have the self-discipline, the temperance to do what is right. Look at First Corinthians chapter number 9. And, and Paul illustrates this as well. 1 Corinthians 9 and verses, the last few verses there of chapter number 9, verses 24 through the end of the chapter. Look at 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. <clears throat> and he given an illustration of uh, an athlete. Uh, let's think about it, an, an Olympic athlete, if you will. And verse number 24 says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every man, notices that striveth for the mastery. In other words, if you are wanting to be the best in what you're going to do, is temperate. Temperate. There it is. It's self-control in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection that's temperance. Okay, he he, this exercising self control. Lest thou by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. I love watching the Olympics, both the winter and the summer Olympics, and i come come around every two years. I remember the time when it, it was four years, whenever uh, the you now they alternate the the summer and the winter Olympics. But uh, when you, I'm amazed at the the amount of. Uh, uh, time that they put in, uh, and the self-discipline, the self-control that they have put, placed themselves under in order to excel in their sport. Are you amazed with that? I mean, I don't have that kind of self-discipline. I'm not, I could get out there and try to, try to win a gold medal, and it's not going to happen because I have not had the self-discipline to train as they have train they'll train for four years for a uh, for a race that may last only a few seconds Uh, it's unreal Um, I, I don't understand that but that that's basically the picture here that Paul is giving that's a listen growth happens only when we die to self and what it wants to do and submit our will to the will of God uh, James 1.22 commands us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. It says if we if we don't do that, we're deceiving ourselves. <laughs> uh, uh, so how can we build the temperance, the self-discipline, the self-control into our lives? Well, understand that temperance is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's, it's listed there in Galatians 5 and verse number uh, uh, 20, uh 23, uh, when he says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. There it is. Against such there is no law. It's there in the, the fruit of the Spirit and uh, if it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit and we walk in the Spirit, He will manifest those things in our life that don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay? He will help us in that area. And, uh, and of course, in Galatians 5, verses 16 through 25, there, uh, he tells us, he begins by saying, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And he, he talks about what the works of the flesh are. And those are the things that we battle in our flesh. We really, we, we have to fight against those things. But he says, The fruit of the Spirit, that when you got the Holy Spirit of God living within, uh, and He manifests His fruit. If you are yielded to His control, if you, if you look for His control in your life, that fruit is going to manifest itself. That's why He says in verse 25, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And if you're saved, you, are, you do live in the Spirit. You're, you're, you're saved. You've you're, you're been born again. You've got spiritual life. If you, if you live in the Spirit, also walk in the Spirit. So let us sh- let me share three things with you here this morning. First of all, temperance requires a certain focus, requires a certain focus. Um, Ted Williams was one of the greatest hitters of all time in baseball. In fact, he was the very last player to end the season as a above 400 hitter, 400 hitter period. He was, I think it was like 406 to 407, something like that, that, that last year that he did that. Now, what made Ted Williams a great hitter? Now, some said he had great eyesight. He was able to see the ball real well. Others said it was great eye-hand coordination to be able, when that ball was coming, to be able to flick that at a precise time. But when he was asked, he said it was the ability to block out all distractions and, and concentrate on the pitched ball." Well, his players heard that, those fellow players, and they decided to uh, put his concentration to the test, unbeknownst to him. And so, uh, while he was taking batting practice at Fenway Park in Boston, some of his teammates, uh, as a pitch was thrown to him, several of them uh, threw lit firecrackers at his feet. Okay. That'll mess with you, won't it? As the story goes, he didn't flinch a bit, and he hit the ball because he was focused. He was focused on the right thing, and he didn't let anything mess with his focus. Listen, consistent obedience to the Lord requires that we not allow distractions to keep us from doing what we know we are to do. I'm amazed at the number of believers anymore. Um, they get distracted, get away from faithfulness in God because they allow other things to pull their uh, their focus and they, they, they lose their focus in the things that uh, are important. Many of the basics of Christian living require that we focus on the things that the Bible tells us we're to do. And, uh, for instance, Bible study, prayer, church attendance, giving, witnessing, just a few of these things there. I just mentioned those. Um, uh, that the Christian life requires. Uh, it requires intentional obedience, amen? Uh, there are a lot of, of things that will try to distract us from obeying the Lord. We Listen, we can get so wrapped up in our schedules or our circumstances and sometimes we allow our priorities to get out of whack and we lose focus of His priorities for us. And when that happens, we, we lose that Focus that we need to live for Jesus. So to build temperance or self-control in our lives, it requires a certain focus on the right things. Second of all, temperance requires a certain forgetfulness. Listen, if we're going to live consistently obedient lives, then we must have some selective and disciplined forgetfulness. For example, we need to forget our failures, we're all going to fail the Lord one time or another. I'll just go ahead and get that out of the way. I fail the Lord at times, and you fail the Lord too at times. But don't, don't, uh, uh, don't focus on that. We need to forget our failures and move on for the Lord. Peter had some failures, the one that's writing this. Uh, he had some failures in his life, just as we all do. Uh, he was quick to allow his mouth to engage before his brain. Anybody else got that problem? Yeah, I, I, can, I can identify a little bit with that. I Sometimes I call him open mouth insert foot Peter yeah, because that's what he would do at times. No doubt his most obvious failure was his denial of the Lord Jesus Christ shortly after Christ's arrest. And I think it had a great impact upon him immediately. Uh, he just, uh, when he failed the Lord that time, it was almost as if it was more than he could take. Yeah, uh, I think he thought he blew it. He he, he blew it, uh, and uh, there was no no coming back from from having blown it. After denying the Lord, and even after having already seen the risen Savior twice, think about it. He, he Christ started going to the cross. He's already seen the risen Savior two times. The third time, that the, the is recorded in John chapter number twenty one. Peter decides to go fishing. And seven of the other disciples decided to join him. And uh, by the way, they caught nothing. They caught nothing. That was reminiscent of the fishing trip uh, just prior to Peter's call, recorded back in Luke chapter number 5. I'm I'm sure that flashback came to him as they were fishing, caught nothing. That probably didn't help his self-esteem any either. I mean here, he failed the Lord, now he goes fishing, he fails at fishing, that that he knows how to do. And John wrote that they were coming back to the shore in the ship and Jesus was standing on the shore, but none of the disciples, none of them recognized Jesus immediately. Jesus asked if they had any meat, and they said no. Can you can you sense the feelings of failure welling up in Peter once again? Here he is, a fisherman coming back from fishing, and he doesn't have anything for a customer. They had to no to meat. Jesus told them to cast their net on the right side of the ship, and I think this was the first indication that probably uh, they got a little suspicious. Who Who's this telling us to do that? that that's got to be the Savior. But thre- they threw it, and they obeyed. Uh, by doing what Jesus had told them to do, and they caught 153 fish. 153. It's recorded that were the 153 fish. Peter most likely had in mind that he was a washout when it came to the ministry. And then he couldn't even do what he knew how to do. You know, he used to be a, a fisherman. It was his trade before Christ called him. However, Jesus expressed his desire for Peter to be restored to service. Now we're gonna we'll turn there in just a minute and take a look at some things, but, but it, it took the Savior telling him three times in, there in John twenty one, telling him three nights three times before he Peter actually got it. Uh, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Amen. He he thought he'd failed the Lord. The problem wasn't his law. The problem is that he felt like a failure, and the Lord said, "Feed my lambs, feed my sheep." You know, three three times he told him, you know, one time feed my lambs, other times feed my sheep, and uh, one of Satan's strategies is to get us to to wallow, okay, wallow in our defeat and failure. And basically, what uh, Peter was at that point of wallowing in his defeat and failure. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not minimizing our sins. When we sin, we need to deal with our sins biblically. And John records in his epistle, 1 John 1, 9, that if we can uh, confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we confess our sins, the Bible says that you know, God has forgiven us and he will remember them against us no more. You believe that? Well, why, does it, why do you allow Satan to keep bringing that up to you? Now, you remember that time when you failed the Lord? And he'll bring that up to you. And we, we have trouble forgetting, don't we? We need to put our failures behind us and move on forward for the Lord. If we can learn and grow from past failures, uh, then you know maybe we look back occasionally and just remember hey, God was so good in receiving me again after that. But don't get focused on that past. Amen? Don't focus on it. It's okay to, to glance at it and, and be grateful for what the Lord did for you. But we can become um, filled with despair and defeat if we begin focusing on it. It takes discipline to forget our failures. But also we need to forget our successes. That may have been what got Peter in trouble to begin with, was some of his successes. Peter was the disciple that had walked on the water with Jesus uh, yeah he began saying but he's the only one that stepped out he's the only one that actually walked on water with the Lord You know, we can, we can give him a hard time if we want to but he, he did walk on the water Pe- also Peter had rightly identified Jesus as the Christ the son of the living God when Jesus inquired as to h- who others believed him to be and Peter was a leader we know that he was both the mouth and the ear of the disciples Peter in spite of his failures he had successes, didn't he? Yes, he did have a few failures, but he had some successes. And the night uh, of Jesus' arrest, he warned, Jesus warned his disciples that they would all be offended because of him. You remember Peter's response to that? Matthew 26, verse 33, listen to what he said. Peter said, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet, Will I never be offended? Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, That this night before the cock crowth Thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, Yet will I not deny thee. Peter fell into the success trap as well. Success should make us grateful, but often it makes us proud. And when it makes us proud, it makes us vulnerable to defeat. So we need to understand that temperance requires that we have a certain focus and and it requires that we have a certain forgetfulness. Uh, Forget our failures, forget our successes. Uh, Keep your focus on the Lord. And that brings us to the third thing here. Temperance requires a certain following. And I want you to turn to John's Gospel, chapter number 21. As we look at this, uh, I've already referred to the earlier part of this. We want to look at verses 14 and following here. And uh, Peter, again, illustrates our point for this. Uh, We're talking about following Jesus. And uh, look in John 21, verse number 14. Uh, This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And you know, people get into discussion, more than these what? And I say, it doesn't matter. You lo- is there anything you love more than Jesus? What, what, is, your, what is your these? You know, when, when, when Christ says to you, Do you, lovest thou me more than these? What, what is there that excels in your love? That should not be excelling above Christ. Well, Peter said he he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lamps. He saith unto him the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, Feed my sheep. And he said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands. And another shall gird thee and, and, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. Talking about he, he was going to be he was going to be crucified. His hand, his arms was going to be stretched out too, and he was going to be carried. And that we knew that that took place in Peter's life. He was actually crucified upside down. He didn't want to be crucified the way that Christ wanted was crucified. So he asked them to crucify him upside down. That's not recorded in the scripture. That's in, that's what we knew from church history. But it says in verse 19, This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Look at this, Follow me. And that's, what, that's the focus right there. Temperance requires a certain following. Now, after hearing that you're going to be, uh, uh, be going to death for the Lord, can you still follow him? That's, listen, we're, we're to follow Jesus regardless of the circumstances. From this point forward, that's exactly what Peter did. And uh, you know we're, we're to follow Jesus regardless of the consequences as well. We read part of Peter's story that's recorded in the book of the Acts of the Apostles. Peter, Answered the challenge and, and let the Lord use him greatly, didn't he? We, we know that. Just in the first few chapters of the book of Acts, we have a record of Peter's... We have record of his... First of all, his obedience. Jesus told them to tarry in Jerusalem until they were empowered from on high. And he did that along with 120 other followers of Christ they tarried in that upper room, and Peter was there, and he was basically the leader of the group. You, know, you, you, you can come, come and understand that from uh, what's going on in Acts chapter number 1, but Peter answered the challenge, and, and uh, there in that first, uh, few, the first few chapters, we have a record of Peter's preaching being used to bring thousands into the kingdom of God, okay? We also know that the Lord's prophecy of Peter's death did come true. He eventually surrendered his life for the cause of Christ. He too was crucified. Christ said, follow me. Now, let's read on there in verse 20. Because Peter still has a tendency here to get his focus out of the, where it should be at. Peter turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, and that's how John refers to himself, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Uh, And uh, he says, uh, he further clarifies, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee, and so he's identifying himself there, John is, Peter seeing him saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? We get our focus on other people way too often. Listen, the Lord wants you to follow Him. Whether anybody else here at Central Baptist Church follows the Lord, whether they all decide to go astray, whatever they decide to do, listen, the Lord wants you to follow Him. Notice what He says here, verse 22. Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Follow thou me. And, and the Lord doesn't want us to get focused on anybody else or even focused upon the things that may happen to us or even things that we are assured that may happen. We are to follow the Lord. Let's draw this to a close. Let me ask. If you're a believer... Are you growing in your Christian walk like you ought to be? All of us should be growing. If not, maybe it's because you're not focused on spiritual things as you should be. Others of you may be hindered because of being tripped up by some past failure or maybe you were slowed down by some past success. Or perhaps your your problem may be that you have just stopped following Jesus as closely as you should. You know Wait, maybe you're following Him, but you're following Him from, from afar off. He doesn't want you to follow Him from afar off. He wants you to follow Him closely. Amen? Your spiritual life will suffer if you go your own way instead of the Lord's way. So why not decide to add temperance to your your knowledge? Develop a just-do-it attitude. Amen? a just do it attitude in your Christian walk. Walk in the Spirit who will bear the fruit of the Spirit in your life including the temperance that you need. Now, make sure that first that you've taken that step of faith in Christ. Make sure that you're saved first. Trying to add all this other stuff without being saved not going to do you any good. So if you're not saved this morning, come let us show you how you can be 100% for sure that heaven is your home. Amen. Let's add temperance to our knowledge. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning for the Word of God. We thank you for the testimony of Peter and Lord, the example that we see in his life. And we can learn from these examples. We can learn from the the words of these men. And, and Lord, uh, here as he wrote, he knew Somewhat of what he wrote because he was tested about his own temperance. He, he, he was uh, tempted to have his focus elsewhere when his focus should have been on Jesus. Lord, help us to not get our focus in the wrong place but to focus on Jesus in our lives. If there's one here today who doesn't know Christ, help him to come to know Him today. Give him the courage to step out and to find salvation in Christ Jesus. Have your way in this invitation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.